It's like I haven't left. I haven't left combat. It's like I haven't left the front lines. And so now I went from being the Marine. Now I'm the artist, representing a people that's been disenfranchised and have had the worst happen to them. I'm using my art to help not just celebrate black people, also talk about the trials and tribulations that we go through, whether it's at home or out in the street or in the country or wherever. Basically, I'm using my platform as a artist to really be for black people. Hello, everybody. My name is Dana Satterwhite, and I am this week's host of The Follow, a multicultural podcast from creative agency Sanders Wingo, where we talk to up-and-coming BIPOC creators, movement makers, and thought leaders who we follow. These are influencers who you might not know about, but we think you should. We talk to them about their work, worldview, and how they use their platform. At the end of the day, we're doing this to help us all get smarter about culture. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with photographer and activist Anthony Gethers. Anthony's path to photography was a little bit non-traditional, but he's taken to it like a fish to water. After school, he enlisted in the Marines and after twice being deployed overseas, transitioned out and back into civilian life, where he has since used every skill he learned to successfully build his career as an artist. Now, he uses his camera, and his voice to lovingly and respectfully represent the Black community. In this episode, we cover that and more. Welcome, Anthony. Your work is beautiful, man. Your work is powerful. You are clearly a creative visionary with a lot to say and a lot to you know bring to the table, man. So let's just talk about you, man. Just tell us a little bit about you. Well, let's start. I'm born and raised in, out of Brooklyn, New York, preferably the Bedford-Stuyvesant section. So photography came into my life because I didn't start in photography like, you know, like most people born with it or whatever. Before that, I was a, I was drawing. I was a sketch. I was trying to be a sketch artist growing up because I, I like, I was big into comic books and, you know, TV shows and stuff. So, I mean, still am. So, you know, just out of nowhere, seventh grade, remember my history teacher, black man, he just, you know, he was like, hey, you want to try something new? I was like, hell you mean? And, you know, he just put a camera in my hand. And at first, like, because it was part of a photo contest and I lost because, you know, the photos were trash, but I enjoyed taking people's pictures and getting to know every, like really get to know everybody in my community. So, because Bedford-Stuyvesant in the 90s was predominantly black. So, because of that, in seventh grade, and you know, after I graduated junior high school, I decided to take it serious and go to high school for it. Here in New York, in the early in the early two thousands, even past then, like photography was always like a trade. It was considered a trade in New York City public high school. So you know, I went to high school in Hell's Kitchen. For, for photography, like they really stripped everything down that I thought I knew and really taught us uh, film photography and everything. So after that, once I, you know, despite me having love for it, I didn't have any money to go to college. So I was like, all right, well, what's the next step? Well, obviously you're not ready for college and you know, I needed a break from school. So I went to the United States. I enlisted in the United States Marine Corps, became a machine gunner in the Marine Corps, went to hell and back to get this college money. So I was part of two uh, combat deployments to Afghanistan. And 
it was literally hell on earth. So I still had an itch for photography, but this was something like I needed. So went through all that, uh, got out the Marine Corps. It, so I went in in 2008. I was like directly after uh, high school. And I went right in in August 2000, 2008, went to boot camp, went to SOI, went to School of Infantry, got in the fleet, did the, did the war thing twice. And then, you know, during the first and second deployment, I kept seeing photographers. And I was like, wait a minute, this is, is this, what, are you, what is the universe trying to tell me? Because I always feel like, you know, in life, we don't really pay attention to what happens around us. Maybe it's a sign, maybe somebody's trying to say something. But I took it as like, all right, yo, obviously you still got this thing for photography because I was, you know, despite being in war, I was always looking at photographers and see how they work and, you know, pick their brain a little bit about what, they, what they're doing, how they do it, whatever. So the second combat deployment, I was like, all right, I'm not going to make being a Marine a, I'm not going to extend this career longer than it needs to be. So I remember just filling out one college application, one college application, everything. And I was to the School of Visual Arts, and so I filled out the application. Thankfully, I survived that second deployment, got home. I left the Marine Corps. Now, during the process of me leaving the Marine Corps, SVA was like, yeah, you need a portfolio to get in. So what I did, I just took a bunch of action figures that I have in my closet and just made portraits out of them. And lo and behold, I got into SVA. You know, then my college career began. I like, like quickly I start, I figured out what I wanted to shoot. Cause usually most students, you know, cause they, they get in at 18. I got into college at 22. So already, I already had seen the world, did it all, faced death and despair and everything, you know, now come back with an inkling how the world is ran. So I already figured quickly, okay, I want to focus on sports. I want to focus on this, that, and the third, mainly sports and stuff. So, well, why do starting as me being a sports photographer, why over the years, because I wear, I wear my heart and I wear, I wear my emotions on my sleeves. So like what started in sports was like, oh, yo, I got a passion for music too. All right, let me shoot these rappers. Oh, I got a pop. I got an inkling for, you know, not for social political issues. All right, let me talk about, let me use sports as a vehicle to talk about some of this stuff that go, that's went on around me, that goes on around me in my community. So you know, sports wanted to be a vehicle for me to get into everything else, even to this current day, where now, like, I've went from shooting sports all the way to shooting what's been happening in America as far as, like, black people. And, you know, we've had enough, enough is enough. So, like, my work, like, just by having an idea of where I want to go has taken me from sport to music to photographing and talk about social political issues and then back again. So like, it's been quite the uh, ride so far for me. Beautiful, man. Let's get into it a little bit, man. Let's talk about today's world. What do you see? Oh man. All right. So today's world is like another battlefield and I'll explain why. Coming off from one battlefield. Cause I mean, I've, I've been out since 2012, but it's still fresh to me. It'll always be fresh to me. So coming home, fight one enemy and, then you, and so you go you go you train you go overseas you i participated in the afghanistan war and seeing how those people live and how they've been under duress they've been under stress from the united states from you know uh, the western world so to speak and you know had them having to them having to combat dealing with 
you know, the Western world being overseas. Then you come home and it's like you, what's happening overseas with Muslim people in Afghanistan is happening to black people over here. Like I expected this, it's like what's been happening in the country. I expected this to happen, but, you know, dealing with it as a, as a former, uh, dealing with it as a black man and as a, as a past serviceman who's, you know, who's went to the front lines to fight. It's one and the same. Like the parallels between Afghanistan and America is one and the same because although like people may call it, call it a, a first world country, it hasn't been for black people who, you know, now, you know, due to it, we're right back to, you know, this country being at odds with each other, you know, between law enforcement and we as black people having to deal with law enforcement and socioeconomic arm of the United States. It's pretty, it's like over, it's like how it is overseas. It's nasty. It, it's, you know, like people are struggling. It, it's, it's crazy. But again, I knew this was going to happen. I knew like this time, I didn't know like the virus was going to happen, but I knew at, at some point people weren't going to, people weren't going to take it anymore and start burning this down and really start getting hit to what's going on in politics and people starting to wake up and see, okay, yo, that's not right. That's not right. Even in, um, not just politics, but all over, whether it's sports, whether it's, you know, people at their jobs finally seeing like, yo, all right, damn, my boss ain't been treating me right. So, all right, yo, let me go fix that. Or, you know, you go anywhere you see in society, like people, especially black people opening their eyes and be like, all right, damn, like, yo, we, we, damn, we've been, <laughs> We've been struggling and we literally got to fight now. So it's, it's just like overseas. It's like the same thing that's going on that's going on overseas. And even in places like in continents like Africa, it's like, you know, what's going on overseas is happening here. And, you know, like enough, enough is enough. Enough's been enough. And like during this time where you have to, like the economy is struggling, like people, like people starting to, you know, now that, you know, they letting people outside, people starting to, you know, find, slowly find a way you got corruption all over the place it's it's like i haven't left i haven't left combat it's like i haven't left the front lines so now and now instead of me shooting people with guns and stuff i'm making work with a camera shooting i'm shooting people in that regard so now i went from being the marine now i'm the artist representing a people that's been disenfranchised and have had the worst happen to them I'm using my art to help not just celebrate black people, also talk about the trials and tribulations that we go through, whether it's at home or out in the street or in the country or wherever. Basically, I'm using my platform as an artist to really be for black people. And along the way, you know, shoot little things like sports and music, you know, things of that nature. So I love it. Again, man, let's let's pick up right where you left off. Let's talk about your role as an artist, right? I think there are a lot of people who who can be photographers who can shoot. You can shoot anything, right? Right. Hopefully, you make a, a living shooting whatever product or subject you choose. And right. you, you are making a concerted effort to shoot certain things, right? Right. Talk about that, please. Okay, so a lot of like a lot of sports photographers are in black, so there's only like a handful. I was like, how can I, like, because even in college, you know, like, I'm, I'm a self-aware guy. So I was like, how can I distinguish myself from the pack? And then, you know, I look back in my own life. as well, 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 you grew up around black people. You know, you grew up in a black, you grew up in a black community. You, you know, you're African-American man. 
in society, why don't you turn the camera on to your community? Your, um, why don't you turn the camera on to, you know, the place where you live? So I started documenting African-American fighters, whether they box or they fight in MMA or kickbox. I started to turn the camera on them, see how, because no, the athletes I was photographing, nobody was paying attention to them because, you know, they're not your, you know, your 1% athletes of the world. You know, they're, they're the ones that got to struggle and, you know, trying to get to a certain place. So I was like, all right, yo, turn the camera on them. The last person to photograph black ass, black fighters was uh, two gentlemen, Gordon Parks and Howard Bingham. And their work of Muhammad Ali inspired me to do the same for my generation, but for a new breed of uh, fighter. So, you know, going through and being in their journeys, I was like, yo, there's a lot of social political things going on in their journeys too. Like dealing with crooked promoters, having to raise their sons, having to go out there and do the damnness to earn a living for their children, having to, you know, deal with baby mama drama, having to deal with, there's a lot going on. And I'm like, yo, like I find myself, it's like, yo, it's not just the training camps or the fights. Like I have, I've been taking pictures of uh, people's like fighters, black fighters, intimate moments with their spouses, with their kids. You know, often I'd even be at their house. Like we wouldn't even be shooting. We'd just be talking about what's going on in the world. That was like my focus for a while. And then it's like, all right, what else can I do? And then it came to music. Now, when it came to the music, I was like, yo, a lot of rappers that I grew up with, they're slowly going to other things. They're, they're not being celebrated. So I'm like, all right, my mission in this music thing, I want to celebrate the rappers I grew up listening to. I want to celebrate them by, you know, wave portraiture. So, you know, over the years, you know, whether it's, you know, shooting BTS for a music video or like if I get the opportunity to shoot, be a part of interviews and shoot portraits of them and I get to bring some sort of lighting, you know, I've been doing that. So, you know, between that, you know, with the different sports, I got specific sports I follow. So between basketball and fighting and professional wrestling, I know a lot of people are like, professional wrestling is not a sport. I grew up with it. So it's still real to me, damn it. But um, I'm shooting the things like with me is just the whole mission statement of every bit of work that you see. It's basically like, what did you grow up with? And whatever you grew up with, make pictures of that. You know, whether you experienced it or if you watched it or if it's been talked in your community, whatever it is you grew up with, photograph. Even um, politics. There was a lot of things going on in the 90s, like the 94 crime bill. You know, got politicians trying to clean up black communities. And you had everybody been on welfare and food. Like, there was a lot going on in the 90s. So, like, I take some of that. I'm like, all right, cool. Go ahead, photograph that. When I had the DNC project, Democratic National Convention Portrait Project. That was my first time shooting politics. I was like, I've never shooting politics. I've never photographed politics. And, the, you know, to, to you, to uh, set up lighting and to meet all these people, like, going to the DNC was like going to a professional wrestling show. Like, with the lights and the cameras and the, and the stage with the built-in rising stage. It was just like, I was like, oh, this is like professional wrestling. And they're just coming here to cut promos on to the people to convince them to vote for them. And it's just so like, every, like I said, everything I grew up with, I put it all into the work. When you're shooting politics, you're supposed to be all dressed up or whatever. Man, I came, I came in regular clothes. I had sneakers on. I had, 
I had on shit you go to the gym with. <laughs> and somehow I managed to pull it off. I mean, thank God I know studio lighting and I know I use cameras and st- all these cameras and stuff. And we just went to work. Like I had the rap, I had rap playing, I had Tupac and Biggie and all this. Cause you know, like politicians are tightly wound. Like I was like, all right, let me make this studio like really comfortable to wear where they come in. They can loosen up and ain't got to be all presidential. We really locked in for four days, made all these portraits. And John Lewis, small guy, really cool. He, you know, he wasn't like the rest of the politicians I had photographed. He all stuck up. He came in, he was cool as hell. And, you know, he gave me like 25 minutes. That's the most anybody's given me during that studio time. He gave me enough time to make my pictures. Because, you know, usually like you usually get white photographers who make these kind of portraits. So me being... And I was like 26, 27. So you get me wet behind the ears, breath smelling like Similac. You know, you get me, you get me, you got this, they see these big lights and they see what I'm doing and they're like, oh, shit, okay. He must know what he's doing. And he hear the rap music playing. He, he sat in the chair and, you know, we made some portraits and, you know, some friend, his friends came in and, you know, embraced him and everything. So that whole experience was crazy. It got crazier when I had to shoot Eric Garner's mom. Mm. Between Eric Garner's mom, a lot of the moms who, like, whose sons and daughters, like, passed that year, they all came, minus Trayvon Martin's mom. They had told me they was coming. I was like, look, I don't care about any, about these, any of these politicians. Like, they then neither here nor there. If you can get me those mothers in that room, and I can get at least five to ten minutes, then I did my job this week. And they made my dream come true. I sobered up quick. After I shot them, I went in the bathroom. I was like, damn, a young. Like, I couldn't even face them without seeing my own mom. So, like, yeah, like, I came off that high. And, like, those four days, like, I just locked in. And, man, that, that was a crazy experience. And then seeing Barack Obama in person for the first time speak, I got a picture of him over, like, waving to the crowd. So, like, just being part of that whole experience was nuts. Like, it was, like, four days of nonstop shooting and just me paying attention to seeing how it all happened. It's like one big circus. It, it really is like pro wrestling. Once this virus thing goes away and they get people back in and they, like, it's something to pay, it's something to really pay attention to and see. I'm like, this is how we really, this is how we nominate politicians. Like, I'm like, yo, this is a whole circus. I was I was blown away, and I was a little bit disturbed. I was like, this is strange. <laughs> I'm like, yo, this is supposed to be serious, and this is strange. Like, they brought out the entertainers to perform, and you see the politicians coming out the ground, mm. going to the stage. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, this is shit. <laughs> this is shit you saw when you was watching WWF when you was young. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm glad I saw this, because I'm like, all right. Now I see how American politics is. It's like one big circus, and I'm I'm like, all right, cool. We here now. All right, y'all got y'all got my attention. Your camera takes you to places you wouldn't have gotten into growing up. What would you say to to young black boys, young black men, just in terms of the value in that in your craft and the places it can take you? Man, what I would say to young black boys and even young men is, well, to the to the boys, I would say. They think all they have to regulate themselves to is athletics or, you know, music. I'm like, no, I'm like, there's other, there's plenty of avenues. You don't have to just regulate. What I would say is 
let your imagination take you wherever you want to go. So, all right, if you want to do the music thing, by all means, do that. If you want to do the thing, by all means. If you want to be a scientist, by all means, do that. If you want to be a photographer, it's possible now because you can use your phone, you can use your camera. I would say, I would say don't put yourself in a box. I was always creative, whether it was drawing, whether it was music, which I was horrible at. I always had to find ways to express myself. So art was always my avenue. And that's unheard of. You never hear about black boys growing up to be photographers. There's not an influx of that. That's like, I'm like a unicorn. You got to dash me and like, make sure, yo, you got to protect him because this may never happen again. We got to study him. We got to draw graphs and we got to figure out how he did it. It's not supposed to happen. <laughs> so I would say anybody that's trying to do that, that's like us, be serious about it. And there's ways of doing it now. I feel like the camera phone has leveled the playing field to where you can do it if you want. You can be a photographer if you want. I would say to any black boys, like, yeah, whatever you got, whatever you, you want to do, find a way to do it and, and continue to be inspired. Continue to, like, be enthusiastic about wanting to be whoever it is you want to be. You know, don't let, don't let anybody tell you, no, you can't do it. Because it's possible. It's possible. And I would say study your craft study whatever it is you're trying to be whatever you're trying to do in the creative field lock into it like study it like get into it now there's going to be some sleepless nights i'm gonna be honest with you we gotta be gotta keep it real with the kids there's gonna be some sleepless nights but as long as you love creating and you love being an artist it'll take you places now i'll say to the men after you're done having a career make sure you give it back it don't have to be like yeah i gotta go be a, like whatever it is you can do to give Give the craft, give it back, pay back in full. If a peer of yours, you know, asks for help, share that knowledge. Because now it's like, especially with what's going on and you're getting in these rooms, you find it now, oh shit, they're not sharing, like, like with the, with, um, the pay, for example, right? Often before you, employees encourage artists, don't share, don't, don't tell this person how much you made, Just don't tell them how much you made. Now it's like, yo, Okay, now let's compare salaries. Okay, damn, you're getting less than me. All right, let me tell you how, how you can fix that. This, this, that, and the third. Like, continue to share that knowledge, continue to share that wealth through that wealth of knowledge. Give it back. Whether it's, you know, take a smile under your wing or if somebody asks you your advice about something or like, like, hey, can you take a look at some work and let me know your thoughts? You know, get out, get out of your feelings and, you know, you know, take the time to be like, yo, that person wouldn't come to you. They didn't think you were serious enough. And I would also say, even in this time, find a way to stay encouraged. Find a way to make work that you know you can live with when it's all said and done. Don't try to do work that's only going to get you paid. Do work that's going to keep you inspired, that's going to keep you motivated, and that's going to keep you continuing to make that work. Because now, like, because I got this new notoriety, a lot of young black photographers like, what should I do? Or what should I, how should I approach this? And I tell them all the time, yo, whatever it is you love, Shoot that. Whatever. So if your thing, if you like food, photograph that. If you like me and you like pro wrestling, photograph that. Whatever it is you feel in your heart passionate about, put that in the work. Because what it's going to do, it's, it's going to give you a voice. It's going to give you a platform. And it's going to take you places that you thought you would never go. Cool. So you said, you just, you just said something a second ago. Find your voice, you know. You, and then before that, you were talking about how when you were younger, 
you were a man of few words, right? But something I noticed on your on your Instagram feed is that you are a on top of being a, a a gifted photographer, you are a gifted and prolific writer, and you put the the images out there. You support it with communication and a story, right. and you talk to people. Talk a little bit about that. Your voice, finding your voice, what it is you ultimately want to say. Yeah, like as a kid, I was never like a big talker. Not until until I got to junior high school. Then that's when I learned. That's when I started cracking jokes because you know, like kids, kids, kids are mean. And then you know, after a while, enough is enough. So you know, you start cracking jokes. You crack some mean spirited jokes. But like on a ser- on a serious note, I was never one of a big talker. But I read a lot. To this day, I still read. Like I can tell you, like when I was in first grade teacher's talking i'm reading the newspaper she's teaching i'm reading every section in the newspaper i remember third grade out like it was to the point i got trouble for stealing books (laughs) so yeah even to this day i got that thing like i gotta read because i'm gonna tell you i hate writing i'm gonna tell i'm gonna you know i hate writing but because i can't sleep at night and i got all these thoughts in my head when i post these pictures I, i feel like i gotta write and Someone, another photographer by the name of Ruddy Roy helped me realize that because there was this portfolio review in, that New York Times had hosted and I got invited to. And I remember he reviewed my work and he was like, yo, you got a lot going on in your pictures. Because t- I showed him some street ball work and everything. Like, yo, you got a lot going on in your pictures. And just by me talking to him about the pictures, he's like, you should write about it on your Instagram. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, Everything you're telling me, you should, you should write about your experiences on Instagram. You should really put down your thoughts about how you, how you feel as a photographer, how you feel as a black man, how you feel about certain things that you photograph. You should really write it on, on Instagram and, you know, see how that works. So I started doing that. Next thing you know, people, instead of just looking at the pictures, they're like, oh, shit, he's got thoughts now. Hold up, let me read this. And next thing you know, I'm having in-depth conversations and and everything about the things that I'm talking about. Um, the things I photograph, I know well, so I'm able to speak on it. Even during a protest, like you wouldn't expect a whole like a photographer like me to like get in depth about what's going on. But because I grew up in Brooklyn and, and being a photographer allows me to talk to people I normally wouldn't talk to, I'm able to go home because I'm gonna tell you right now. I don't write anything down. When I go out and people tell me information, I don't write anything down. I just like keep it here. And then, you know, I go to bed roughly around three o'clock. So two, two a.m. I'm like writing about what I'm a, what I'm a post on Instagram. And then whether I get up in the morning and post it or post it live, I'm like, like if you even if you were to go through my notes app, there's a lot. There's a lot of saved things like links, articles, and things. I'm just like, there's just a lot of that's going on here. And the, and the best story would be for me to get it out is by, like, finally writing about the work I do on Instagram. I said you got, you got about 63,000 followers on Instagram right now. That's a lot of people paying attention to what you're doing. How do you feel about that? Um, it's still a shocker to me because I'm like, who the, hell, who the hell wants to listen to me? Yo, it's crazy because I gained, and I don't like talking about numbers like that, but because of the protests and how everybody, how black people feeling, the pictures I'm making 
is putting out how black people feel and everything and and the commentary I'm providing. Like those sixty three thousand followers came from everything I was doing at the like photographing at the protest. Like you know, you're forty plus it was through the sports, but like that that huge chunk of followers came from like what I was reporting from with an opinion, what I was reporting from Brooklyn, because we had we had our own protests concerning George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Sean Bell and Amadou Diallo. Because if you know anything about New York, it is one of the few places where the cops are notorious for being corrupt and treat black people like shit. So instead of going to Manhattan to photograph the protests, I'm like, yo, it's happening right in your backyard. Show what's happening in your backyard for black people. And I did that not to get paid. I didn't do that to get on the cover or anything. I just did that for my own soul. Cause I'm like, yo, as a black man, I got to get out there. I can't, I can't just stay home. I got to get into it. I got to get out there with the people and find out what's going on and photograph them and show people how Brooklyn feels. And it, it was crazy to see all these followers and say, yeah, you speaking the truth right now. And I'm like, this is how I feel about everything. And my platform, what makes my platform great for me is I don't have to be a photojournalist. I don't have to be objective. I can have my opinion about things, you know. As long as it's, a, it's an informed opinion, I can have an opinion of things. I can have people that, like, I can communicate with that'll, you know, that have that dialogue, that have that discussion with me about whatever it is I photograph. And, you know, I could be wrong, I could be right, but, you know, as long as I'm starting that dialogue, especially now, like, yeah, I'm starting to wean back and shooting sports, but still I keep in the, with my Instagram. I'm, I'm like, I'm still like, okay, yo, there's still things that's going on that people I think should watch and read to help them, you know, during this time. I sort of got like my own tribe that I can share information with and that we can have a, we can have a discussion and we can, you know, we can talk about things. To like uh, to have that group of people follow me, damn, I still can't believe it. But to have that group, amount of people like, get behind me and be like, yeah, we're going to follow you because of the work you do and commentary you got on things. And it's crazy. I would have never thought in a million years I'd have that because I see people, I'd be seeing celebrities and they got all sorts of crazy followers. And I'm like, somebody like me who's doing this important work have that bit of following. I'm like, somebody must be doing something right. <laughs> How do you view your relationship? as a photographer and your audience and, you know, just maybe the role of, of authenticity in all of that. It's, it's, it's funny you bring up authenticity because that's where now the, the whole industry is going now. It's like, instead of having this polished, this polished look and feel to your photos, now we can, we can bring out the real. And I'm like, yes, that's what I grew up with. All right, cool. Cause like growing up and like looking at, like Vibe Magazine and The Source and Double XL and, you know, different uh, hip-hop magazines and stuff. The images then, even like with ad work during the time, like a lot of it was authentic. Like there was, there wasn't, it was just like the photography and you had your typography and everything, but it wasn't like the images weren't in super Photoshop, like Nike ads, for example, right? The athletes that were photographing Nike ads, they look like who they were photographing. Like they look like they like how you met them or whatever. In today's world, you know, everything is super polished. Yeah, you gotta take off the pimples and all of that. Authenticity is coming back with brands. I'm like, yes, I like that. Polished stuff don't 
it don't wake me up in the morning. I, I see that. I'm like, ah, all right, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like you, you, you give me, you put a raw image, you put like an image down and it, it looks like that person looked like how they look like in real life. I'm like, yes. They got like a little scar, a little pimple, something that distinguishes them. I'm like, yes. You see them sweating and they look like they haven't slept in days. And, you know, they, they're upbeat for the photo shoot, whatever. I like, that's what I like. Cause you know, me growing up in Brooklyn, particularly in the area I grew up in, it's not all picket fences and lemonade and fresh air. Nah, it's like you come here, you smell, you smell garbage at like eight in the morning. You like God, like you just got that stupid look on your face. Like, yo, why does that smell? Or you go in the subway cars and you know, like what does that rancid smell? But like New Yorkers are rough, so like with me and shows in my style, yes, I know all these lighting techniques and you know whatever. But I like to put my personality in the, in the images. So like when brands come and hire me, I, I make it clear. I'm like, look, man, what you see is what you're going to get. There's no tricks. There's no gimmicks. I'm going to give it to you real. So if, you know, you have me go photograph a person and they got an eyeball missing, guess what? Photographing with an eyeball missing. So for example, I've been doing some freelance work with, uh, and one the streetball brand and the places I've went to for the, like the photograph, athletes for the brand i went to uh, photograph them uh refurbish a uh, basketball court in new orleans it wasn't like the new orleans you see on tv no nah, they community we went to i forgot what it's called but it was they were still feeling the effects from hurricane katrina you know talking to the kids there and it was like yeah this community still fucked up they still you know they still stacking bodies in the playground so for y'all to come and bring you know your brand to our neighborhood is incredible so like i'm like, it's weird. Like, any anytime I shoot for brands, I always go to, like, the people. Every once in a while, I'll photograph a celebrity athlete or whatever, but I'll always be up in, in the neighborhoods like that are like Brooklyn. And, like, when you look at my work, you be like, oh, shit, okay, yeah, that's real. It's not, like, my work is not polished. And it's not due to the fact that I can't do it, but it's due to the fact that, like, as a New Yorker and, like, in my experiences, it's never been, like, it's never been and nothing's been polished in my whole life. Like nothing's mm-hmm. been polished, nothing. So like I, I put that, I put those experiences and I put that personality into the work. And like, I, I appreciate when brands now are starting to lean toward authenticity now and we're getting away from everything being so quote unquote polished and clean. I'm like, no, it pays to have that little bit of dirt in there. Cause like people like that. People like when you have a little bit of dirt, when you have a little bit of um, grime to you, when you have a little bit of, when you, when you, when you have that grit, because that's what people, that's what everyday people identify with. They don't identify too much. And I learned that even with my work, it's like people identify with, they, uh, they identify more so than like having that, like having that clean look. Like some photographers, they can have that clean look, but then when people come and see me and they see my work, they're like, all right, yo. We expect, like, when we look at an image, it's like, all right, it's gritty, but, you know, it's, it, it, it thins the line between commercial and, and photojournalism, although, like, like I said, I'm not a photojournalist because I'm not objective. <laughs> but, like, I can, I can blend those two worlds in my work. It comes out gritty, comes out raw, and the subject matter that I photograph, it's not nice. Even with the politicians, I make them gritty because they're not, always on the up and up so like you could tell with my work i try to put my personality into my work so and i love it 
when brands just tell me, yo, just do you. Don't worry about trying to make it polished for us. Just do you. And like, I'm like, thank you. Because I always ask, I'm like, hey, you want this picture this way or can I go and do me and then, you know, give it to them? like, nah, go ahead. Do you, we hire you for you. So yeah, authenticity. And that's big with me. It's like being authentic and being true and adding that a uh, bit of bit of grit. It ain't gotta be too much, but adding that hint of it into like brands I work with, people feel it, you know? Thank you, Anthony, for being here and taking time to share a little bit of your world with us. And thank you all for listening. Again, my name is Dana Satterwhite, and you've been listening to The Follow, a multicultural podcast from creative agency Sanders Wingo. For show notes and links, or to get notified when a new episode comes out, visit thefollowpodcast.com or sanderswingo.com. Check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, and we hope you join us again.